Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a a Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants and the way they were able to reach out and uh, steal the election and from well-oiled machine-headed the Macedonian John. Content Farmers podcast. My name is Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oral Valley, Arizona. And this is Tvetin Sholimanov, coming in from Skopje, Macedonia. All right, and today we are recording on the last day of March of 2019, a day that has never been before and never will be again, March 31, 2019. Tomorrow is April the 1st. April's Fool's. April Fool's Day, yes. Now, it, now in in Macedonia, of course, children dress up. Yeah, it's like uh, a big carnival thing. Right. Yeah, uh, and and over you know, and I know you lived here for a couple of years. And April Fools, people play pla- practical jokes on each other. I I have no idea what the history of that is, or or, or not. Um, now, one thing that's not a practical joke is that uh, tomorrow, Monday, April one, the presidential race in Macedonia officially kicks off. Yep. And we have three candidates. So we've got we got three candidates. The, the race kicks off tomorrow officially. The first uh, round is on April 21, which uh, in the Protestant Catholic world is actually Easter. Mm-hmm. And then the second round is May 5. And in between, in the Orthodox world, we have Easter. So a lot going on in the next month and a week uh, between uh, the elections and Easter and all kinds of things. But we've got three candidates. Yeah, in reality, Four. there are two candidates and one who is yeah. uh, trying to beef up the odds for their for the two small ethnic Albanian opposition parties, which just which are they see a good opening here. The uh, Dewey will send their votes, uh, their Albanian votes, towards Stevo Pendarovski, so they will not register as an independent uh, mm-hmm. party. So basically, the two smaller parties, the political Islam Erdoganist style Besa party <laughs> and the more nationalist. Ziadin Sela's party, the, the more nationalist Alliance of Albanians party, they uh, they will be the only two Albanians, Albanian parties which will uh, uh, register uh, independently in the uh, on the 21st of April in the evening of, of on April 21st. So basically, they just want to say, well, we have 50, 60, 70,000 Albanian voters behind us, and do is get nothing. Right. So, what's going to happen? Ah, it's really difficult to tell, honestly. It's uh, yeah. uh, the See. few polls which have been out, and even some uh, of the very praised DSM media outlets like uh, Deutsche Welle, they have uh, published them at face value, even though they come from Vemura. SDSM have yeah. not shown a proper poll. Uh, they tell us that Sidanovska is in the lead, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, essentially, you know, we are assuming that the Albanian votes of Dewey are baked into Pendarovsky's result, uh, while right. Siljanovska, sh- she still has room to grow if after the first round uh, the, these two smaller Albanian parties have their contingent of votes and they try to shop it around, they try to offer it to Pendarovsky or uh, Siljanovska. 
uh, they already hate Dewey, so they wouldn't want to mix their votes with Dewey, but they also have been riling up their electorate against Wimmer as well. So they will play hard to get. They might try to then uh, switch their voters toward uh, Pendarovsky, but then they would have to mix together with Dewey, a party they accuse of being extremely corrupt in front of, ahead of their voters. They might try to uh, divert their voters toward uh, Vimera, toward Sidanovska, but again, they've been bad-mouthing Vimera for so long in the Albanian camp, so both options were, would be difficult. But this is the one big vote potential for the second round, which will, uh, you know, the voters who will vote for Blerim Reka in the first round, and then they will have to choose between Pendarovsky and Sidanovska. Uh, other than that, another thing which could influence the second vote if if there is a wipeout, an unexpectedly good result for either of the candidates, the polls now show Sidanovsky in a slight lead, but if she wins strongly against Pendarovsky, uh, she might carry this momentum into the second round. If she loses, uh, and the way she would lose would probably be with uh, vote rigging, like uh, the, uh, the kind of, uh, which happened uh, during the referendum uh, in September 2018, uh, then you know, with this and obviously taking into account all the systematic daily arrests of opposition officials in the country from both Vimera and from the smaller parties like Grom, uh, Stevsha Kimovsky's party and the Socialist Party, right. the Zingo party, right. who both support Silyanovska. I mean, the opposition is fully in the rights to declare a boycott of the second round of elections. If there is, uh, on top of these irregularities in the pre-election, pre-campaign period, if there are also irregularities on the day of the elections, I mean, it's long past uh, time for them to declare that this is not a democracy and that elections are, uh, you know, not the way to bring down the Zav government. Uh, losing the first round of elections with uh, significant irregularities uh, would definitely, should definitely lead to a boycott of the second round. Right. Now, if there is, I think it's worth pointing out that if there, if there were to be an effective boycott, and, and that would mean that there has to be 40% of the 1.8 million must come out and vote. If it's below, uh, then the elections are null and void and new elections have to be organized. But I think it's worth mentioning that in that, if that were to be the case, in that period while you're waiting to step to, to, uh, uh, set up new elections, let's just say it's six months, mm -hmm. that means that the speaker, the so-called speaker of parliament, uh, Talat Jaferi, who was illegally installed, then becomes acting president for six months, um, which I still say is a very bad thing for Macedonia. Uh, this is a man who, when he was uh, a member of the Macedonian Armed Forces in 2001, uh, defected, mm -hmm. uh, left his position as a defender of Macedonia, joined the so-called in LA of Ali Ahmeti, uh, the so-called National Liberation Army, and fought against Macedonia. Then went on, of course, to become defense minister, so-called speaker. Then he would become de facto president. I mean, all of that is a tragedy of just, it's, it's, it's a, what is it, a, a mockery of a sham of a tragedy of justice or something like that, like Woody Allen says, um, except this is real. So, but Going back to your, let's just say that, that there are elections do go forward, and we know there's going to be some cheating from SDSM because that's what they are, uh, and Dewey, of course. Um, but what the scenario you just laid out, it just seems it's, 
it's very difficult, I think, to tell. And maybe it's just too early, even though we've only got a short window of three weeks mm -hmm. before the first round of elections. Um, but if Siliganovska does win or, uh, you know, either strongly or, or in, you know, in general, just on, on May 5, I think that sends a very public rebuke to Zoran Zaev, to his government, and to the Western elites that demanded Macedonia change its name and identity. And so that's what I'm hoping is that she does win and that that public rebuke is loud and clear against and towards Zoran Zaev and the Western elites. That This is really the first uh, uh, measure of a uh, of, uh, gauge of support for Zaev and his government post-Prespa agreement. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, definitely. They've already given up on their normal uh, electoral uh, base, which is ethnic Macedonians, and then leaving the ethnic Albanian voters for uh, Dewey and the other more conservative Albanian parties to divide between the, themselves. Uh, SDSM, is, uh, their candidate, is losing in the polls. They obviously mm -hmm. lost the 2016 elections. Uh, they're now losing in the polls after 20, absorbing... 2014. Absorbing... Oh, 2016 yeah. um, parliamentary, right. Yeah, but, but it's also worth pointing out, I think, Stefan Pendorovsky, who is the candidate of Citizen and Dewey, ran in 2014 and lost. And he's actually a pretty much a hated figure amongst many Macedonians. Yeah, he's uh, not... Uh, he, he, his part, main base of support is in the urban centers of Skopje and on Twitter. And basically, you know, Twitter is a great vehicle for uh, sharing information, but uh, absolutely, you know, useless for motivating voters. It's, you know, the numbers there right. are ridiculously low. It all comes down to the proper party infrastructure uh, in the, um, on the ground. Not True. Yeah. And uh, Stevo is a person of uh, the social media, a creature of social media. Uh, he um, lost uh, the 2014 elections, um, mm -hmm. you know, solidly. And it's important yeah. to know that then uh, Ivanov actually won a solid share of the more conservative Albanian vote, while Dewey supported Pendarovsky once already, uh, mm -hmm. although not uh, publicly, but it was very clear that they're supporting him. And still Ivanov won a solid share of the Albanian vote, and, uh, of course, the presidency. So everything points, uh, uh, you know, in, in the proper direction for Sidanovska, except, obviously, the big difference from then until now is this massive systematic oppression of... Uh, uh, the opposition, the massive arrests, uh, the decimation of the main opposition party with, uh, you know, everybody and anybody being arrested and uh, um, put in prison for on uh, ridiculous charges. Uh, essentially, the, the coup which we suffered. But then, on the other hand, another change is, uh, you know, this uh, unimaginable humiliation of the name change, which Zaev and uh, Pendarovsky and Dewey delivered, you know, brought on, onto the country. So uh, he actually stands to lose even more votes than, uh, uh, you know, by a big, even bigger margin than he lost in, in uh, 2016. Right. It, it, it would be interesting to talk to uh, our friends, the, the Western elites, the, uh, the Western embassies there in Macedonia and others, and ask them if they think, just in general, generally speaking now, if it would be good for Macedonia, if it's good for any um, parliamentary republic for a democracy, for one party, or in this case, one party and one junior party, basically, to control the government, parliament, president, and local elections. Mm -hmm. You know, just on the face of it, 
it's it's obvious that's not healthy for democracy to have one party controlling everything and yet you know that's what could happen in this situation and and i'd be curious to know if uh, the eu ambassador and others uh you know think that's a that's a good a good thing um when Vomero had this uh level of uh, support in the public and this level of uh this concentration of power you know you couldn't hear the end of it from the us ambassador and from the eu <clears throat> embassy at least in private uh, settings i'm not uh, sure publicly but um, uh, through their media outlets they funded they definitely sent out this message insistently now no way there is no not a chance to to hear right. anything like this from them now well, let's let's pivot a little bit from uh, this uh, all this talk about the elections and what's going on. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to be elected. We can only guess next week. We'll have a little bit more of a better idea. And and this is something Svet and I just kind of noticed in in you know looking at social media and whatnot. I saw a couple of things um, on uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and some of the websites that I follow uh, just in this past week. It just seems like there seems to be a um, a resurgence, if we can call it that, of Macedonian culture, which is something that is is good. Um, and the first thing I want to look at is this band called Next Time, which was formed in 2008. It's two brothers. Um, and they released a video and song just last Monday. Uh, I believe the, uh, let's see, what's the title of this, the uh, song? Thank you. Yes. And in English, what does that mean? Uh, I will ask you uh, something, grandmother. This is basically yeah. uh, uh, what the Ottoman officer who is uh, he's investigating an elderly lady. He's questioning her because she was reported that she has been harboring Vomera fighters. And he right. asks her, I will ask you a question. Tell me true. Don't lie to me. Who was uh, uh, last night in your house having dinner? We heard there were Vomera fighters there. And she responds, uh, was it Gotza Delchev? Was it Dame Gruev? You know, the two famous mm -hmm. uh, fighters. Yeah, the whole, yeah the, the whole song is infused with, with history. And it, and it goes back to, you know, basically the turn of the century, last century, not this century. Uh, and focuses strongly on Macedonia's freedom fighters who were fighting for the independence of Macedonia. Uh, it's a beautiful song. The video is very well done. It's very, very uh, professional. And just in one week, it already has over 660,000 views oh, on YouTube. I haven't checked, but yeah, it, it was 400 last time I checked. But Oh my gosh, it was, in, it was incredible because I saw it on Monday afternoon, I think, of this past week. And it, it was at 115 or something like that. And the very next morning, it was a quarter of a million and it just keeps going up. Um, and, and because it's because it's well done, because it's beautiful, because it speaks to Macedonia's history and culture, um, and and this is I've, I've never seen anything like this with a particular Macedonian song. Maybe it's happened in the past or or, or not. I don't know. But I do tend to think, and you know, I mean, value your opinion that perhaps you know, with all of that has been uh, um, uh, forced on Macedonia over the past couple of years with the current government, mm -hmm. that that's a that's an action, and this is the reaction. And people are saying, "Wait a second! No, you're gonna you're gonna try and change our name and our identity and our history and our heritage and our culture and our language. No, we're gonna fight back, and we're gonna fight back with by by um, uh, lifting up our our history and our heritage and our culture and our music and our language and literature and just everything else that makes Macedonia unique." Uh, at least that's the way I see it. I don't know what uh, what your take yeah, is. Yeah, the uh, 2008 Greek veto for Macedonian NATO membership 
produced essentially uh, an outburst of anger and uh, um, the response uh, on the part of Macedonia was the Alexander the Great statue in Skopje, uh, all the other uh, celebration, uh, forms of celebration of all layers of our history, not just the ones approved by the Greeks and Bulgarians and whoever, but all of them comprehensively understood. And uh, the 2008 veto was nothing compared to what is happening now. So obviously the response is going to be far worse, far greater. We, we're still not sure what, what shape and form it will take, but this is definitely uh, one of them. And if you've noticed, if you've looked at the video, it's not only a response to the name change, but, uh, you know, this is actually an Ottoman officer questioning an elderly lady who is defiantly telling him, I will t she's not trying to uh, wiggle out of the situation. She tells him, I will tell you truthfully, it was not Gotza Delchev, it was not Damegruev, it was Todor Alexandrov with his men. And uh, they mm -hmm. had dinner and in the morning they rode off on Mount Pirin in Bulgaria, the uh, mm -hmm. iconic Mount Pirin, to raise the flag of Macedonia, which was... Uh, their flag was red and black, and the ins yep. inscription on it said death or liberty for Macedonia. So she is uh, absolutely defiant in the song. But if you saw the video, the uh, styling of the questioning, it begins with an elderly lady, but then it switches to a young woman, uh, obviously the representation of Macedonia who is being questioned. Mm -hmm. But the two people who are questioning her, they look nothing like Ottoman officers. In fact, they look very much like communist era Udba, secret, uh, communist <laughs> secret police officers. Now, this is a direct response to the, uh, this campaign of arrest and persecution of Vemera people now uh, in the special prosecutor cases, in the uh, parliament incident cases. Uh, they're, they're even arresting, you know, from Nikola Gruevsky on top down to the, uh, you know, the, the urban street kids from Vemera in the the area of Skopje where I live, who are just painting graffiti uh, uh, against Zayev on the streets, and they're being arrested for this. People are being arrested for Facebook comments, uh, which are you know critical of Zayev, and they're immediately declared hate speech, assassination in the making cases, and they have police barging into their homes. So Zayev is ruling by very serious repression here, and this is what the song represents. Uh, this is, does not speak about the Ottoman slavery. This speaks about the, the current moment right now. Yeah, well, well, two things. I, I want to ask you a question, and then I want to pivot yet to another thing. Um, and that is, the, first, the question is, has the government responded in any way to this song, this video? Uh, they had the usual suspects, you know, the Colored Revolution Twitter commentators and protesters who are presenting to be these independent voices of reason and uh, rebellion, etc. And most of them now work for the government. There are like yeah. uh, about 80 people working in the PR sector of the government brought by Zoran Zaev there. These are all these Twitter people, these uh, USAID-funded, uh, EU embassy-funded <coughs> commentators working for several uh, PR agencies, like New Moment here, uh, who are basically now intertwined with the government. And, you know, they would like, uh, their response was like, this is not fashionable to listen to these kind of songs. They are now posting pictures from their organizing rooftop parties in one of the decrypt uh, student, uh, you know, this large student campuses here in Skopje. So now we are the urban people listening to techno while, you know, these Vemera people, the great unwashed, they're listening to these, these kind of <laughs> songs about grandmothers. So they were mocking, you know, the song. 
but it's such a strong song, it's very difficult to mock it. And then the other yeah. response, which was even more ridiculous. So, for example, we had uh, Damian Manchevsky. Uh, he's the minister for public administration. He's shaping up right. to be one of the more hardcore communists in the party, uh, in the government, mm-hmm. like ideologically and culturally. And uh, <laughs> he's the, I think he's like a nephew of um, Vlado Malevsky, the guy who wrote the lyrics to the anthem of Macedonia. And, you know, mm-hmm. the song about Todor Alexandrov, it was only one of the several songs which the communists banned. They wanted to ban the Alexandrov song because he was a very anti-communist, anti-lefty um, guerrilla freedom fighter. He was uh, taking it very strongly to the Turks, to the Serbian occupiers. He would often <coughs> work with the Bulgarians, but he would, without any doubt, work to be his own person. If anything, he wanted to control Bulgaria as well. Uh, no, out of the question uh, for him was to subdue, subvert Macedonia to Bulgaria. In fact, he wanted to rule Bulgaria, uh, but he would dish it out very strongly against the leftists. So he would be banned. Uh, the, the actual anthem of Macedonia, Izgrej Zorana Slobodata, it would also be banned, and it was replaced by another song, the current anthem, Denestad Macedonia Seradja, which was written by right. this... Uh, uh, ancestor of uh, Damian Manchevsky, the minister in the government. So Manchevsky <coughs> comes out and he says, well, you know, these Vimera people there, they opposed our, our idea to write, you know, our treaty we signed with Bulgaria, but they now honor Todor Alexandrov, who, you know, he's implying that Alexandrov was a Bulgarian. So, wow. so can you imagine this, um, uh, what kind of mess is in the heads of uh, of the SDSM people, they keep, uh, they insist on this uh, old uh, canard that the uh, Vimera people, that the opposition to the left, the opposition to Yugoslavia, to the socialism in Yugoslav times, they, it's all motivated by Bulgaria, that Vimera is pro-Bulgarian. This is their usual canard, their usual slur against uh, Vimera. But at the same time, they're the ones signing this treaty in which uh, they approach Bulgaria from a very subservient position, unlike what Alexandrov wanted, what Vimera wanted, an independent Macedonia, which will be a factor of its own in the region, what Gruevsky wanted, right. uh, having its own influence over Bulgaria, not vice versa. Is the SM sign Which is a comp- what most Macedonians of want. Of course. Today. Yeah. And they're capitulating on all points, but then they yeah. still uh, are not relinquishing these old this is all they know. This is what they've been taught. They're trying to still look uh, like uh, pretty and uh, self-important from this situation. It's very difficult for somebody like Manchevsky to reconcile in his mind the fact that he is the one giving up Macedonian history to Bulgaria, allowing Bulgaria to write her history books, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, reconcile this with everything that he has been taught and he has been telling himself that, uh, you know, the left has fought Bulgarian fascism, that they liberated Macedonia from Bulgarians, and Bulgaria, that everybody opposed to their definitely pro-Serbian, socialist, Yugoslav, centrist, uh, uh, anti-sovereignist option in Macedonia, that everybody opposed to what they were offering is pro-Bulgarian. And now they signed this treaty with Bulgaria. They are having extremely hard time explaining it to themselves, but still they're go to uh, attack against anybody uh, on the right from them is, well, you're with the Bulgarians. 
Right. Well, that's that's a good and that's a good pivot to the next kind of subject, and that is you 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 talk you're talking about we're talking about communists, we're talking about Bulgaria. Um, I think it's worth mentioning for our listeners that may not know that the the party of Zoranzai of Citizen is the uh, immediate successor party to the Communist League of Macedonia pre 1991. Uh, maybe they've shed their Leninism, their Marxism, their 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 uh, Maoism, uh, but at their core they're still. Uh, you know, far leftists. And uh, speaking of far leftists, so Lenin said, uh, give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. Mm. To paraphrase Lenin, Zoran Zayev and his government are saying, give me just one generation of children and I'll transform North Macedonia. And that is exactly what he means. And you just alluded to this treaty that the government of Zoran Zayev signed with Bulgaria, the so-called Good Neighborly Relations Treaty, and of course the so-called Prespa Agreement with Greece, both of those agreements establish uh, educational commissions. So Macedonia has to establish, already has established, I should mm. say, a commission with Bulgaria and then a separate commission with Greece. And both Greece and Bulgaria, and we have heard from leading politicians in both of those countries that as regard these educational commissions, they're going to be very um, uh, insistent that Macedonia basically do what Greece and then separately what Bulgaria want in terms of the children's history books, textbooks, schools, uh, uh, school uh, teaching guides, maps, atlases, etc. Otherwise, Greece and separately Bulgaria will will veto Macedonia's um, uh, EU uh, membership, the various accession. There's 35 uh, chapters that have to be opened and then closed in the EU accession process. So, again, what's what's going on here is that Zoranzaev has handed over the um, – effectively, he has handed over the educational curriculum of Macedonia to Greece and to Bulgaria and said – you guys go ahead and tell us what we need to do. You, I think you used the word subservient there a moment ago. That's exactly what it is. It's interesting to see that Greece has made – and this is let's, – let's be fair, okay, Sveten? Greece has made one concession. They will change some of their school books with regard to Macedonia. So they'll no longer call it the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. They're going to change their school books, and they're going to call it North Macedonia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just – and this is what this is what happened. So you you've got, and I think there was an article uh, sometime this past week where Zoran Zayev said that as soon as this coming fall, so the new school year that begins in in uh, September, uh, this educational curriculum that is being changed right now will be introduced into schools. And you start, you know, look, you know this, we all know this. Children are very uh, malleable. Yeah. Uh, they're easily shaped. They're they're shaped by you know, first and foremost, their parents at home and their grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and older brothers and sisters and whatnot. But then the education, that's what teachers do. They shape their minds. They shape uh, they, they shape their, their outlook on life and everything else. Uh, and that's what Greece and Bulgaria aim to do with these two treaties. And Zoran Zayev has said, go ahead, change our, change our children's attitudes and minds and views of what Macedonia was, is, and should be. Yeah, it's an extremely totalitarian approach uh, which they're taking. They've tried it, this in Yugoslavia. I mean, I vividly remember when I was in elementary school, when our teacher was, uh, you know, she would ask us to uh, declare our uh, ethnic uh, identity. 
and the few kids which would say Yugoslav instead of Macedonian, or you know, they could have been Serb or whatever, we would have usually largely Macedonian and a few Serbs uh, in the school, you know, children of officers, etc. And everybody would say Macedonian, a few would say Serb, and then a few kids would say Yugoslav, people like Damian Manchevsky, I'm sure he declared this Yugoslav in school, and the teacher would congratulate them. <laughs> yeah. But these were like a minuscule wow. number, I think. The census in Yugoslavia would be like 5% Yugoslav, and everybody else was, uh, you know, sticking it to uh, the totalitarian Yugoslav state, and everybody would declare Croat, Serbian, Bosnian, etc. Right. You know, this is going to backfire. There is no way this is going to be accepted by the people, uh, especially as Zaev is not delivering economically, is not delivering, uh, you know, on his anti-corruption platform. You know, his government is ridiculously corrupt. So they are... um, you know, he was going against Dewey, calling them corrupt. Now he's begging them for votes to to save his with uh, Pendarovsky. So um, no honor among thieves. Absolutely, this is uh, it's going to backfire, and uh, we're going to have a response in Macedonia as we were going to have one in in Greece. Just today, I see Mitsotakis was again coming out and saying that Greece will block Macedonia from opening EU accession talks, which makes sense. He is. Uh, Tsipras is narrowing down on the polls, which always happens yeah. before elections. He's coming closer to Mitsotakis, so obviously Mitsotakis is going to, there's going to be a backlash both in Macedonia and in Greece uh, to all this. So what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, so so reconciliation, peace, sweetness, and light eternal is and friendship is not breaking out between Macedonia and Greece and Macedonia and Bulgaria? I'm shocked. Shocked, <laughs> I tell you. Please. Oh, come on. Well, all right. So, um, moving on. Why don't we take a quick break? Let's play some of that uh, the next time uh, from their latest uh, song and uh, then come back and talk about our farmer's fix. And welcome back to the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. Svetin and Jason uh, recording on uh, March 31, Sunday. This is episode 20. I forgot to mention that. Uh, tomorrow's April 1, when this will probably come out. We are back with our farmers' picks. Svetin, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a classic of the uh, regional diplomacy and politics, uh, a book by uh, Greek journalist Takis Michas. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Unholy Alliance. Uh, uh, and in, in it, he publishes... Oh, I've heard. Yeah. He reveals how Greece and Serbia were coordinating their foreign policy in some of the worst periods of Greek uh, uh, of Serbian aggression toward Croatia, toward Bosnia, toward uh, you know preparations for war with Kosovo. And the book reveals uh, how Andonis Samaras, the man who created the name issue between Greece and Macedonia as foreign minister in the Mitsotakis government in the early 90s, was meeting with Milosevic and how they were discussing uh, joint policy on Macedonia. 
this is one of the, you know, this, this issue was at the core of the Greek issue with the Macedonian name. Uh, the book reveals how Serbia was proposing to Greece that uh, Macedonia is partitioned, that Greece is rid of this potentially troublesome new neighboring country to its north, which Greece somewhat absurdly, somewhat, uh, you know, maybe rationally feared could uh, uh, lead to a uh, renewal of Macedonian consciousness in uh, Greek-occupied Aegean Macedonia. So basically, Greece wanted Macedonia done away with, and Serbia knew exactly what uh, it wanted out of this. It reluctantly allowed Macedonia to declare independence, with a caveat that Macedonia could rejoin uh, other Yugoslav republics in a future alliance. This is precisely what Serbia had in mind. A rump Yugoslavia taking parts of Bosnia, Croatia, and then uh, keeping Montenegro, and then forcefully reabsorbing Macedonia. So the book describes uh, a witness, a participant in these meetings, who uh, explains how huh. Milosevic took the Greek foreign minister to follow him to a smaller and darker room. In the center of the room was a big table on which lay a map of the Balkans. Look here, Milosevic wow. told Samaras, in the center of Firam, in Macedonia, and especially in Tetov and the surrounding areas, live around, you know, a number of Serbs, as reported by the census. And the Greek foreign minister immediately understood what his host had in mind and asked, do you mean to say that at one point or another, they will face a problem and will have to move to a different location, the Serbs? The Serb president revealed immediately what he meant. They will move, not only those, but also thousands of other Serb refugees who are living in the north will move to the south, towards Skopje and toward the Greek borders. Then Serbia and Greece will have common borders. Essentially, Milosevic is talking about wow. taking back Macedonia and maybe with a small... The Greeks were uh, discussing like a, a narrow, like 20 kilometers wide uh, buffer zone which Greece would occupy into Macedonia, essentially toward Bitola and toward uh, Doiran and Gevgelia, actually taking these cities. Uh, while the rest would uh, belong to Serbia and uh, Samaras, who in the last episode of our uh, podcast, I, I, uh, I uh, shared an interview in which he's discussing precisely this partition of Macedonia between Bulgaria and Albania or between Serbia and Albania. And Samaras at this point told Milosevic that he will uh, raise this issue with uh, President Mitsotakis at the time. Uh, and they will think of, and, and Mitsutakis told Samaras that he will think about this, this proposal of partitioning Macedonia. It didn't go quite as far, but uh, a very important element in the name issue which Greece raised over Macedonia was precisely this, keeping Macedonia unrecognized, keeping Macedonia uh, internationally in a limbo until such a time when Serbia will be able to take us back under its wing. Wow! Wow! That's that's a good good um, uh, his, his, uh, remember uh, a bit of history and remembering what could have been. Obviously, it didn't, and Macedonia, uh, you know, went on to be become an independent republic, and, and of course now faces well, a, a bit of a first pick. Uh, and it can still happen. Is all I'm saying. Well, that's a bit that's a bit dark. Well, I've got something a bit more, um, a, a bit lighter, a bit happier, a bit more pleasant. Uh, it's a blog I just found. Uh, family on the Road is the name of the family travel blog. It's a uh, husband, wife, two little girls, and they travel around the region. 
And this blog, which just came out a few days ago at the end of March for the first time, and uh, great, beautiful photography. Uh, they list uh, Scopia, um, Orchid, of course. Uh, let's see what else we got. Mavrovo National Park, Bitola, you know, all the, all the famous places. Uh, the Stone Dolls of Kuklitsa, uh, always a fascinating one. Uh, Leshnovo. Uh, what else? Bervo, of course, mm -hmm. Lake Doiran. Uh, we'll put that on the show notes. It's a fun thing to read. It's good to share with friends that may not know anything about Macedonia. Uh, it's a great introduction and uh, people that are coming to Macedonia for the first time. So um, a family on the road and 10 places to visit in Macedonia is my farmer's pick. Come visit it while it's still here. <laughs> It will always be there, and it will always be Macedonia. And those of us Macedonians and friends of Macedonia who love Macedonia are going to give it our all to make sure that it stays there and it stays Macedonia always and forever. Yeah, we have to go dark sometimes. It's a coping mechanism. Otherwise, you know, April's Fool's tomorrow, literally the last three, four years were April's Fool's <laughs> day in, day out. Yeah, well... Won't always be like this. So yeah. um, anyway, um, I think that's it for this week. We'll see what happens in the coming week with the presidential election starting. Always good talking to you, Svetin. You too. Enjoy the song, guys. Na večera, koji vojvod